Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Bella Perez Rubio, Puma Podcast, and you're listening to Teka Teka News. Balitang thinking, hindi breaking. In this episode... And we are very happy that President Xi Jinping was elected again to serve as the general secretary, the top leader, the central committee, and all the whole party. This is a very strong leadership which will guide us in the next five years. Last week, Chinese President Xi Jinping further tightened his grip on power at the Communist Party Congress. He won an unprecedented third term sidelined opponents and appointed only close allies to top posts. That makes Xi the most powerful leader China has seen since Mao Zedong. In this episode, we'll dive right in and ask, what does all this mean for the Philippines? President uh, Xi consolidated his power at the apex of Chinese political officialdom. And of course, not only was he able to get a third serving, which is unprecedented in many respects, he was also able to bring in what most uh, analysts consider as political allies to be with him in the Politburo Standing Committee, which is the most important, the highest official organ of the Communist Party of China, which is the ruling authority in China. That's Foreign Affairs and Maritime Security Analyst Lucio Blanco Pitlo III. He's a research fellow at the Asia-Pacific Pathways to Progress Foundation and a member of the Board of Directors at the Philippine Association for Chinese Studies. So he's able to be the commander-in-chief, the president, the head of state, the head of government, and also the party secretary of the ruling Communist Party of China. One moment at last week's party congress in particular has been the subject of intense scrutiny. Former Chinese President Hu Jintao, Xi's predecessor, was escorted out of a televised session in dramatic fashion for all of China and the world to see. Hu was in fact sitting right next to Xi and looked as confused as us when men in suits came to take him away. But why? Because President Hu was seen as a leader that wields still some modicum of influence or support from within the party, that he still has a base that can potentially undercut or undermine or even challenge President Xi or his policies. So him being eased out, you know, so to speak, in that incident goes to show the degree of command, the degree of power that President Xi in his third term will exercise or will possess. So that's just one reading. Others, including Chinese state media, say the former president was escorted out due to health reasons. Hardly anyone is buying this, though, because as I said, Hu Jintao himself looked confused. He clearly had not been expecting it. 
Lucia thinks that was she sending a message. I think President who uh, is seen by some as a, a leader that tries to maintain collegiality within the Politburo Standing Committee. The uh, portrayal is that President who provides some space, provides uh, some kind of tolerance, you know, for dissenting views on matters of uh, governing China or China's security or foreign policy. But the, it seems that what, what is being portrayed so far, the analysis of President Xi's governance style, is that he tends to centralize power within him. And that the space for a different view, an alternative or a contrasting view from him, the threshold for that is lower than the previous leaderships. That the Communist Party gave Xi nearly unchecked power says a lot. It means China will be one of the few superpowers in the world that can see through its policy continuously. The U.S., for example, is due for a midterm election this year and another presidential election in 2024. Meanwhile, the United Kingdom has seen a revolving door of prime ministers in the last six years. For President Xi to keep sustain his power for the next five years, so this means that there will be a lot of policy continuity. We'll pause here, but when we return, we take a look at what all of this means for the Philippines. So what exactly does this continuity mean for Chinese-Philippine relations? Listen to Chinese ambassador to the Philippines, Wang Silian, at the Pandasal Forum this week. China's Peace for Development will promote China and Philippines' efforts to jointly maintain peace and stability in the region. You know, ASEAN has been always high on our agenda in our overall diplomacy. And uh, we have always played high. ASEAN on our uh, diplomatic agenda. ASEAN has become the largest trading partner of China in the past few years, and we believe it will continue to be largest trading partner and also the partner for economic cooperation, for innovation. Lu Xiu, who was at the same forum as Ambassador Huang, further elaborated on what that might look like. So that means that China's commitment to Belt and Road Initiative financing of you know, infrastructure projects abroad, that would be sustained. That initiative was launched in 2013, a year after President Xi assumed power. So he really had big global ambition for China. And I think the recognition that China have already reached a stage where it has the capacity to contribute to the world. So... I think the continuity of this initiative will be uh, guaranteed. But of course, policy continuity also likely means that we will continue to see Beijing's aggression over the West Philippine Sea. While there would be a continuity on China's opposition to the arbitration award, I think the Philippines should continue to find ways to use the card, to use the arbitration award in its dealing with China or with other claimants or with other coastal states on the issue of the South China Sea. So the continuity of China's opposition to the arbitration award is just one part, you know. It also means that uh, with the third term of President Xi, their openness, you know, their willingness to negotiate with the Philippines over potential joint development, practical cooperation in the South China Sea, that will also be continued. 
At the same forum, Ambassador Huang was asked about China's views on the strengthened military cooperation between the Philippines and the U.S. Here's what he said. China has no objection to Philippines to develop this uh, normal relationship with any country in the world. Of course, we don't hope that your relationship with any country in the world will be directed against China. But it's not that simple. We've seen China get heated over military exercises in contested areas many times over the years. One potential sticking point here will be the idea, the proposal, for one, expanding the number of sites that U.S. military will have access to in the Philippines. Meaning from the five existing EDCA bases, I think U.S. may want or may request from the Philippine side to let them have access to more sites. Secondly, I think another more striking sticking point would be the deployment of missiles. Philippines hosting offensive platforms that may be able to hit targets, maybe Chinese artificial islands in the South China Sea, or even targets in Hainan or in the mainland. So this, of course, will elicit strong reaction from China. In short, there's no one to tell Xi Jinping no, especially when it comes to Taiwan, Hong Kong, or their so-called nine-dash line. And we may very well find ourselves in a tight spot, caught between two rival powers, Washington and Beijing, neither of whom has incentive to back down. Unfortunately, their increasingly acrimonious relations has a tendency of disrupting regional peace and stability. It's very important that uh, we understand where our core interests, you know, our fundamental national interests really lie, and where are the spaces where we can discuss, where we can negotiate in order to keep our territorial integrity, our exercise of sovereign rights, and of course, our national security. So what should the Philippines do exactly? Lucia says taking a multilateral approach remains our best bet. I think working with our neighbors in Southeast Asia is very important. ASEAN, President Marcos made his first overseas trips to Indonesia and then to Singapore. So this signifies the attention, the significance he attaches to relations with these two countries and to ASEAN, you know, as a bloc. So I think working with our friends in ASEAN will allow us, you know, will increase our weight relative to these two major powers. But the truth is, ASEAN has been useless when it comes to our maritime dispute. That's because half the member nations don't have claims over the waters, and some are reliant on China for funding. And so are we. President Marcos may have repaired the ties with Washington that President Duterte cut. But the road ahead is fraught. This will present a lot of headaches for President Marcos. You know, how will he be able to sustain, you know, keep the country's national interests intact and avoid getting drawn in a U.S.-China conflict over Taiwan or in the South China Sea. Again, this will not be an easy feat for him to do. And that was today's episode of Teka Teka. Again, I'm Bella Perez-Rubio. This episode was produced by Kat Ventura and edited by Presh Capistrano. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to give Teka Teka and Puma Podcast a 5-star rating on your podcast app. It really helps get the word out about our show. 
At para sa mga mahilig manood sa YouTube, Puma Podcast na rin po kami doon. Just search Puma Podcast and subscribe to our channel. Thanks for listening. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.